Marketing Made Easy, the podcast on this episode. The conference and banqueting that we had, they used to get these great big cauldrons out and get these big ladles and scoop the thing out and slop it into the bowls and it looked all... <laughs> like prison food. <laughs> or like when I cook for my kids. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy with the Get Savvy Club. Anna Geary here and Anita Baldwin. Hi Anita, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Brilliant, thanks. So I'm, I'm I personally am more excited about this podcast than guests than Anita is just because I love football and Anita doesn't really get she doesn't watch football she doesn't get involved and also I'm a Leicester City fan and today our guest is none other than Barry Pierpoint and you might think if you're not a Leicester City fan you'll be like who but if you're a Leicester City fan you will definitely know who Barry Pierpoint is so he was um, in charge of Leicester City for a while but he actually started there as the marketing manager so this episode is great because we get to talk to him about how um, he took the football club from bumbling along to actually being more strategic on the marketing side and running it like a business um, and marketing it and getting the fan base up so it's really interesting to hear the different methods that he used then and how they can still be incorporated today so let's get into this if you're enjoying marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate review and subscribe you're looking very well very (laughs) yeah very well because we're morning people we're fine in the morning we just go downhill throughout the day anything after like four forget it (laughs) two so so those that don't so those that don't know who barry Point is um, a, a lot of people that I know will be used to shouting out, Barry Pierpoint out. That was towards the end of my life then. Here's a fun fact for you. My ex-partner, my daughter's dad, once he um, had somebody crash into the back of him um, in a car, like a car accident and you jumped out of your car and gave him your card and said, I saw all that, mate. I'm happy to be a witness. And he was like, oh. And then he said, I feel bad now for shouting Pierpoint out. (laughs) (laughs) So, Barry, why don't you want to summarise what you're about, what you've done before, um, who you are, just in case people (laughs) don't know who Barry Pierpoint is. I mean, I was at Leicester City um, uh, in April 1991. I was one of the first marketing directors in in professional football. And I was brought in to um, take a very sleepy football club that was losing money and develop all the commercial opportunities and all the business side of football um, so that the football club could generate profitability and that profitability would then be ploughed back into into teams, um, you know, buying players, into the football teams, buying players. Um, in, before I joined Leicester City, Leicester City Football Club used to sell players, generate the cash from there and then buy some more players. But you can't keep selling your best silverware, your best players, just to keep raising more money. So what do you do? You look for opportunities to develop commercial business and um, sponsorships and more income, and that income generates profitability. And then that then turn can be turned into um, buying players for for the club. That's basically what my role was. But when I came to Leicester City in 1991, I mean, the club wasn't very marketing savvy it hadn't got any marketing um it hadn't got a, a good rapport with its fans hadn't got a good reputation in the in the county in the city a lot of people thought the football club was very insular and um said that you know it didn't communicate very well and his attitude was they didn't really bother about the people and my attitude was i'm going to change all that and i did i mean i sat in an office in 1991 with no windows 
uh, one light bulb from the ceiling, which is very some very poor lighting. I had a, um, a a desk with you know wobbly legs on it, and I had a table in the corner with a with a brick under the table because that wasn't very secure either, and a dead plant. <laughs> that's what I that's what I inherited. You came into football before they were like generating loads of money. There was no blueprint of what to do. So where did you did you think? Well, I know how to sort out football clubs I've got all these ideas or were you winging it or where did all that come from anybody runs a business and football is a business so if you're running a business you need to find out what your customers want you need to find out what your customers requirements are you need to do some research and what I did was I looked at and had lots of meetings with fans and groups of fans to find out what they wanted from the football club and you know were we delivering them and, and most of the things that they wanted we weren't delivering you know if you're giving people something they don't want or they, you're not delivering what they do want you know they won't buy from you um, and they'll spend the money somewhere else i mean when i first found out that people on football matches they weren't going to the kiosk and buying our, our pies and our drinks and they were going to the pub instead it's because the pies were, were terrible you know they weren't, they weren't edible yeah, not rocket science is it <laughs> and the drinks were like well, I wouldn't like to say what the drinks were like, but they weren't very, very tasty or very nice to drink. So when I went around this myself and acted as a customer and found out what we were delivering in my first few days there, I could see that people weren't buying anything because it was crap. <laughs> so how did you come to be offered that job then? Had you worked at football clubs before or you were a part of them? They wanted somebody who would come in and wouldn't be blinded by football, but could come in with a commercial brain and a business brain. And I'd run several businesses before. Plus the fact in those years, early days I was quite flamboyant because I had coloured glasses and coloured ties and I wore coloured socks and coloured <laughs> underpants all to match all coordinated. Like and Elton very... John. How did they know about your pants though? <laughs> <laughs> them that interview. I told them that I've got you see my glasses, you can see my tie, you can see my shirt, you can see my socks. And by the way, I've got underpants to match as well, so I'm coordinated. And, and that know, was that's how son. you get the job. <laughs> I'm going to try it. <laughs> well, it, was more than, it was more than just that. I think I had a very yeah. good personality and I'm a very easy to get on with character. I'm quite a strong character as well. I've got very fixed views on things. Once I know where I want to go with things. So I was, I was, I think I sold myself very well and they could see my vision for the club. And I'd done a lot of research and homework about Leicester City. Um, so I went in there with the directors and not being funny, in those days the directors were... You know, didn't know much about marketing, or some of them didn't anyway. Um, I mean, I remember the, the chairman saying to me at the time, which is uh, Len Shipman, said to me, he said, uh, so you've come for this um, salesman salesman's job then, Barry? And I thought, well, that's not the sort of job I've come for. I've a marketing job. But basically, they wanted me to sell as well as part of that that uh, read it and I even wrote my own job description because the one they gave me didn't sort of stack up so I wrote my own and they said oh that's better a lot of people that are not sure they just lump marketing in with sales like it's one in the same and can work, obviously work together very well but they are different things in my past lives of running different companies I've always made sure that sales and marketing kept separate because if you give a job a title sales and marketing the person may not like to sell anything so therefore they'll just focus on the marketing and the selling doesn't yeah. get done so i've always made sure that the two roles are kept separate because selling is one thing and marketing is another 
the yeah. actual marketing supports the sales function, but um, you know, and the sale and the marketing uh, also generates inquiries for the sales function. So, but people aren't always very good at going out and talking and selling and presenting themselves. So, therefore, marketing and sales skill, yeah. are two separate skills and must be operated separately. If you've got a business out there, never link the one together because it'll never work. Because I know the person will either do one or the other they won't do both very well. In that kind of environment, were you pushing against an open door? Or did you get in and want to do certain things where everyone went, oh, no, we don't really want to do that? Or what, how did that work? If you've got research and you've got facts and you've got information that stacks up and you then go and talk to a board of directors and say, this is my this is my marketing strategy for the next two or three years, um, that's what I did. And I, I went to them and said, look, the retail um, operations got very poor quality merchandise. So there was stuff that was falling to bits and there was tacky wording on it. There was sort of vulgar wording on some, you know, things. And I just thought that wasn't the market that we're in. And I've always related myself to a Marks and Spencers person. I, I like their packaging. I like their quality. I like their standard. I like their service. And I thought, Leicester City Football Club needs some of this. And that's yeah. where I came from. And then the conference and banqueting operation that we had, uh, you know, they used to get these great big cauldrons out and get these big ladles and scoop the thing out and slop it into the bowls. And it was all... Oh, <laughs> <Like> prison food. <laughs> <laughs> or like when I cook for my kids. All looked like it was some sort of, you know, sort of banquet that really wasn't really fit for anybody. And all I knew was that we weren't delivering it right and the content of it wasn't right and, and therefore people weren't happy with it. Well, and why do you want to keep eating pork pies and sausage rolls and curly whirly sandwiches I don't know because that's not what people wanted you know <laughs> we were dishing all this stuff up and it wasn't right I mean we're not, we're not mm. caught on blur but at the same time you know we didn't want to keep doing the same old stuff and yeah. I and I really then changed the whole habit of how we operated and for example on the retail side I said that we wouldn't buy any merchandise unless we had a fans forum that said they would buy it and so I set up a fans mm. forum the retail operations guy and we used to have about 30 people in this forum it's a bit like when you watched um that program where all the stuff comes on a, on a conveyor belt what was it called um i can't remember the title of the, generation the game generation game that's right and we used to have all these things come out they were all passed around these 30 people there were kids mums and dads grandmas and if they said well what's the price we say well that mug is going to cost you two pound fifty and you know would you buy it and if 75 percent of them said yes we would buy it if 75 percent said no we wouldn't buy it so because we were inundated with people constantly talking talking to us and knocking on our door, trying to sell us stuff and just put our name on it. Look, Manchester United's got a mug with their name on it. How about you in one with them? You know, well, I'm sorry, but Manchester United and Leicester City were different organisations and different sets of people. But we would buy stuff then that people wanted because the fans forum had said, yes, they would pay for it and buy it. And that's what yeah. we did. Just that old, old school like um, way of working, isn't it? What we did was we... I was the first person in football to sort of say, we won't have Adidas and we won't have these people because they weren't going to pay us very much anyway. Mm. And we had a company called Bookta at the time, which weren't very good. And all our kit in the early 90s, would the, the arms would fall off, the stitching would be no good. And people would say the, the dye would run. So they'd come back with a purple shirt rather than a blue one. And, you know, I used to think, well, we're not doing any more of these. We'll do it ourselves. And Bookta yeah. didn't give us much money. I think it was about seven grand a year. Well, that's not very much. So what I did was... I sourced um, a good East Midlands supplier who could design a kit for us. The players were involved in it. The manager, Brian Little, was involved in it. 
some of the fans were involved in it, and we got a kit that the, the players would wear that was comfortable, the fans would buy to wear because they wanted to, and the manager was happy with what we got. So everybody was involved, and that's how Fox Leisure was born. It was our own branded kit. Fox Leisure came out, and we made more money in six months than we ever got out of anybody else. It just took off, and everybody would talk about Fox Leisure. The shop went from nothing to, what, one million, two million, three million in three years in turnover. Wow. People think of marketing as just, you know, like leaflets and promotions and trying to get people to pick up the phone and want to buy. But actually, it's all about the customer experience, isn't it? So what you looked at is what is the customer experience and how can we make that better for them whilst making more money? And that's the essence of marketing, really, isn't it? Yeah. Tell you something about marketing, which can go through all the years from when I was in marketing in Leicester City right to today. You go into a, a reception in, in, in a company and I've seen ladies sitting there one was chewing chewing gum and blowing bubbles at me which i thought was a bit vulgar rude one was reading a book now to me marketing is about presentation it's about awareness it's about looking after people who come to your premises and i noticed that a receptionist is part of your marketing i don't care what you say she greets you she talks to you she acknowledges you marketing is looking at the complete picture of your organization how people perceive you how people are received by you how people walk into dirty premises how people see fag ends all over the place on the floor outside or whatever that's to me is all marketing and people don't realize it people think marketing is just about slogans and printed stuff and things on social media it's not marketing goes a long 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 way beyond all that completely agree with you yeah it's all about any customer touch it's the impression you give people of your business even hanging on the phone for hours on end when you're trying to get through yeah. to somebody i get very frustrated with all that because at the end of the day customers are important whether they spend five pound with you or five thousand pound or fifty thousand pound they're all important because one day they might spend more with you if you look after them when did you leave how long since you worked there I was there for about nearly nine years, um, and that's um, a long time in, in one particular job. I was marketing director for two years and CEO for the other seven. I worked in football for about 12 or 13 years full-time, and in football is a very sort of full-time and a half job. I mean, I used to work six days a week. Uh, I was at, at Leicester for nine years nearly. Um, I was at Bradford and Portsmouth, and I was at Boston and a few other places. And, you know, you're working six days a week, then the seventh day, you're so tired, you just spend most of your time laying on your back and watching television or falling to sleep. So it's, it's a very intense job. Um, it's a very demanding job. I mean, I was getting up at six in the morning, five, going up to the office for half past seven, getting home at nine, ten, eleven o'clock at night, some nights. I used to go to functions in the evening times. I had to go and do speeches. I had to do presentations. I was guests of different people uh, because I was happy high profile in Leicester, Portsmouth and Bradford. I was all over the place. So it's a very demanding job. You know, Leicester is my is my baby because I, I sort of went there when, you know, Leicester took a turning point. When I went in there with a, a team of people I brought, we turned the whole thing round. And as the book explains, not just me, it's lots of other people as well. There's 40 contributors to that book telling their own Yeah, tell us a bit more about the book then. What's it called? Who, who was involved it's with it? Called, it's called Minding My Own Football Business. And the reason that's mm. called that is because football is a business. There's two parts in each chapter. There's a part about um, the, on the field of play and all the players and managers are talking about what they were doing there. And then the other part of the chapter is about behind the scenes and that's all the people that work with me and customers and fans talking about things that happen there. And it's all about the success and the 
um, achievements of the 90s. It's not just about Barry Pierpont, it's not, and I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it, mm. it's written by me, and I had a ghostwriter called Matthew Mann who wrote the whole thing. It took us a year to do it. He, wow. he interviewed 40 people, he researched everything, he's written a super book. I mean, I did very little in it except provide quotes and my bits of information and, and graphics and illustrations and things. He did all the hard work, but he was the one who approached me and said, look, you've got a story to tell. And I said, well, I have, but I've got, I haven't got the time and I haven't got the inclination. So, but he forced me by saying, come on, there's, there's something to say here. So I, I did say, okay, well, let's do it then on two conditions. One, it's not controversial and two, it's not about me. He's got to have all the people involved. And that's what he's done. And he's done, done, done a super job and it's going flying off the shelves and I'm signing loads. I've got bloody cramp in my hands and, you know, I'm really writing <laughs> all these things, you know, signing people's books. You're going to sign one for us to give away, aren't you? I am. People think, oh, I want to be a CEO. I want to, you know, I want to be in charge. And actually, it's a massive, massive responsibility to take to get to the top of, of any particular it's, business and be the one that, that you know, it's like not you a say, job. It's a way of life. Yeah. I, I got called off holidays when Mark McGee decided to to call it a day and leave to go to Wolves, and I had to come off from Mallorca to sort him out. And I didn't want him to go, but he did want to go, so I had to help him go. You know, that sort of thing. I think <laughs> you waited till you were on holiday. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as I say, I had eight years of wonderful time and four or five of sort of, you know, not so good at towards the end, but it's all, all for the wrong reasons, all political, you know what I mean? Marketing was made, made the off-the-field uh, activities successful. It was marketing that worked for me. So I'm not a massive football fan. I don't really know, even though my dad worked for football clubs, actually, and my first job was making the sandwiches at Aldershot Football Club when I was about 13. So I don't know a lot about football. But So why were they chanting Pierpoint out? What what happened with all that? It was, it's a you know political thing where we had a chairman at the time who was doing his own thing and didn't consult with the rest of the directors. I was a chief executive of public limited company and this chairman just just pleased himself and basically he he had the manager on his side which was martin o'neill and 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 sort of used the manager i think to to get rid of four directors including myself um and it was political uh, rather than because i was no good at my job or anything like that mm. and because what happened was we were going into a board meeting and this is not really what i wanted to talk about but it, it's 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 true we went into a board meeting to remove the chairman four of us did and we got labeled a gang of four thought thought people thought we were naughty and we were you know we were the naughty ones and actually we were the ones that's trying to save the club where the chairman yeah. was doing his own thing and pleasing himself and he sold a player without any consent with the rest of the board and so on so it got messy and it went public and it should never have gone public and then martin o'neill decided to side up with the chairman and that became public as well and, and for, for that day onwards you know the three directors and myself were almost you know, no, we're going to be going downhill and rapidly because people support a team manager and he was successful. Yeah. I was a season ticket holder at that time, yeah. I wouldn't have had a banner saying like Pierpoint out because I was, I was too busy eating hot dogs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have been one of these faffing about with a banner going Pierpoint out well, and too busy eating. The problem was that the media got hold of this and they made him made a meal of it and they sold loads of newspapers on the back of it. Don't forget the 90s, newspapers were strong, they're not, not strong today. Yeah. But, you know, they made a meal of it and they created this gang of four. There wasn't a gang of four. There four people left in a boardroom because three people, two people resigned and one walked out because it went very well. And we had to run the business. And that's unfortunately, mm. we got labelled a gang of four. And then consequently, everybody thought Barry Pierpont was leading the gang of four. And that's how it all 
That's why it was your name. Not the other people. It was mine. You know. So the book then, he, this guy was already writing it before lockdown then. It was already a concept or already happening already. He contacted me last August time and we had a oh. meeting and I said, okay, I'll do it on the two conditions as I ex explained. And he started it in September. We finished it in October. Um, and well, there about end of October, November. I wanted it to, to be launched next to April. And I was, because I had been at the football club in April 1991. It was also 30 years since, you know, that time I started there in 2021, April. And it was also my birthday in April. So it had a reason for doing it in April. But then we couldn't do... We wanted to have a big event, a big public event where people would mm. come along and that, but because of the, the, the virus situation, we couldn't guarantee that. So we pulled it forward and brought it out on December 1 so that people could buy it for Christmas. You can do like a relaunch, can't you, if you if you know what I mean, we in April. So you can like, just when like everybody's going to run out and buy it, but then obviously you can say, oh, it's 30 years and here's a book. So it's like yeah. another excuse to, to put market it again. Isn't another, it? another marketing activity and another yeah. marketing activity. <laughs> you know, we've got quite a few events planned for next year, book signings in shops and public cool. signings. I've got one or two big events I want to put on question answer sessions, players and managers coming back to the, to the, to the stage and, you know, we're having some sort of big event. So that it's a celebration year next year, as far as I'm concerned, lots going on with the book anyway. So it's not just for now, it's for for next yeah. year as well because 1991 was the year i started and 2021 will be 30 years since that day so what what is it that you do now then what's your main move on that there's hmm. a donation to rainbows the charity rainbows oh, okay. is going for every book sale so there's a charitable element to this as well because I, i've been supporting rainbows for a long time and um you know we used to be an ambassador for, for for rainbows when I was at the football club for about nine years, eight or nine years. So I, I you know, that there's a there's a donation going there as well. So that's good. So what are we doing and rainbows now? Rainbows is the children's hospice, isn't it? It's the children and young people's hospice based at Loughborough, yeah. and it's a charity. Yeah. And it doesn't get a lot of support from government, I think. It gets a little mm -hmm. bit, not a lot. And, you know, they have to raise their own money and they look after those kids in there very, very well. And they're kids that, you know, that might not have long to live or all the problems they've got, in, you know, in living. I've been there, actually. It's a lovely place. The company I work for also donated some money, so I went along to give it to them. And it is a lovely place with fantastic staff. It is. It is. It's lovely. But no, what I do now basically is I, I do, I have clients of mine that I, I go in and do some consultancy work for, um, and it's varied. Some is marketing, some is business development. Some I sit as a non-exec director on some of their boards and, um, you know, bring a commercial aspect or a business development aspect to that, that company. Sometimes they want somebody like me as a non-exec director to come in with fresh ideas so that I'm not too close to the business, so therefore I can input into, you know, what i I think or I think they need or what help I think they need. So I do all that, a lot of that. I do a lot of coaching. I, I've got a client, I, I coach 80 staff. Well, up, I did up to March. I was one-to-one -one coaching 80 staff, helping them with uh, developing their skill sets. Um, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring for graduates who are looking for jobs to help them to put CVs together. And uh, I'm, I'm at Nottingham Trent University where I used to go when I was a youngster, a long time ago that was. That's and, where I uh, went. I'm an alumni there, I do some work for them. Um, I do a bit of charity bill work. So I'm quite busy. Um, I've got quite a few different things going on. Um, but I, I like the variety of the work that I do. And I've been a non-exec director of different companies for a long time now, and businesses. Um, and I do a lot of charity work as well and, and voluntary work. So yeah, keeps me out of mischief.
How do you get involved in being like a non-exec of of organizations? Is it more a case that people sort of approach you or have you ever seen businesses that you're like, actually, I'd like to get involved in this I'd like to do that. I provide boardroom support services. A boardroom Mm. support service is acting as non-exec director. And what that role is, is to go into a company Basically, you're not a director or owner of the business. You have no shareholding, but you're going there as a a non-exec director on a board and you advise the company in the areas of your expertise and skills that they don't have. And you help them. I mean, I've helped a company, for example, uh, in Leicester. He started up as as a startup with nothing. And we went to about three or four million pounds in about six or seven or eight years and i help them grow that business develop it look for new opportunities and also to widen their marketplace um i helped a company in sleaford um in lincolnshire and to help their technical staff become salespeople. so when they went out on the road and did technical work they could actually talk about this products or sort of the services they offered and bring in new business and that was an interesting exercise and i was there for about five years it's like um you know when you get sky now you have a, um somebody comes to install sky they're proper salespeople now they'll try and upsell you while they're putting the sky in for any business it's mad to have an engineer who does one thing and then another salesperson who does and to just compartmentalize all of that multi-skilling has got to be more profitable hasn't it well you know, if you think about it, if, if you've got an engineer going on a premises, I mean, there's nothing worse than somebody asking a question of an engineer and he said, he said I don't know, it's not, not mm. my job, I'm not interested, all that. Yeah. That's not the right way to, to market your business in front of a customer mm. who's going to have some technical work doing. And I think every company should have all their, and I say this very, very you know, strongly, all their technical people should be taught how to promote sell market that business and speak of it very highly with confidence and you know i don't mean you've got to stand there and say well i'm here can i flog you one of these and flog you one of those but you know you think about the word upsell have you thought about one of these mrs jones have you thought about one of those mr smith and you know that's that's part of marketing and that's part of their role they're representing that company they're the brand ambassador of that company going out into that you know that person's house and doing that technical work they're there to help that company grow and and develop and that's what they should be proud of and i think that's you know what people do it's um it's hard when you have a business and you're trying to get everybody in the business to have that mindset of you've not just got a job but you are a representative of this business and and incentivize them in some way as well so when i had the recruitment business trying to get the maybe like the administrator to get it into her head that actually she could make like put some kind of commission structures together that actually they can also make money if they took a yeah. job or, or ask the right question team or, yeah like the well, you know it's not just it's not they're not there just just to answer the phone but actually they could ask um questions that could lead to more opportunities if they just if their brains were just wired up yeah i had an advertising marketing and pr business in in leicester for about four or five years and you know you know you've got to incentivize people but but you've they've got to also be trained properly how to um put the business across it's not a case of oh i can see a pound sign i'm going to get something so i'll try and you know, flog it in my own way or style there's got to be a corporate style to the way you yeah. get all your stuff to present and yes incentivize people because i used to say to my staff if i make x percentage profit after that once all my you know cup, cup, you know cost of cover and that sort of thing i'll share that profit with you guys and that's what i used yeah. to do i used to show them money we made and i used to give them a percentage of all the of profit all of them so they could see that their hard-earned efforts and their 
the dedication and passion to that business paid off and that's what people should do and also then they'll see the business as a whole business because it's amazing in a business how people kind of just do their own little bit and never look up and the the teller is if you ask everyone in the business to write down what does this business do how many different answers would you get and actually if your communication's right everybody should be saying we do this for these people and should all understand it but like does the receptionist even know what the business does and how can they represent the business properly if they don't even and understand what they're doing and how they're helping people. But businesses don't do that, do they? They just focus on, like, salespeople need to sell and receptions need to answer the phone, and they never look up and go, right, does everyone even know why we're here? In some cases, not all, but in some cases, the directors don't include are not being inclusive with their staff and their management about yeah. you know, the business itself. They don't share information, they hide information, or they keep the, the, the employees in the dark. And that's not the way to get things out of people. I've always had meetings with managers and their staff where I've included them. I ask for ideas and thoughts. I want input. I want them to feel part of the team. I want them to feel that it's their business as much as it's my business, as much as you know, we're all working for the same cause and the same end. And if you include people like that and make sure they feel part of it and you listen to their comments and views and their suggestions and sometimes they, they, they're good and sometimes they're not but they, they understand that at least you've listened and you've considered them yeah. that's the way to get the best out of people and again people can either be a good marketeer for you or they could be a very poor marketeer for you and I've seen some very poor companies who treat their staff quite shabbily and that's why they just get nothing but negativity coming out of that business. Going through the years of marketing I, I, I mean I can talk about that if you like a little bit because I've actually I was doing marketing in the 1990s when you but I think you, you probably weren't even born were you I suppose I don't know oh god, no, god. <laughs> yes we were yeah we were. we were we were born I was at university in the 90s was I could have been born in the 1990s you look too young for that for me yeah so I know <laughs> I change my glasses thank you no <laughs> keep those on <laughs> make everybody wear them <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, the, the days when I was, uh, you know, doing the marketing job but, you know, before I was at the football club as well. And looking at the sort of marketing activities that we used to do, because marketing has moved along, although not always for the better, may I say, either. I mean, I, I can remember database marketing being a, a very strong thing that would, would help you focus and target certain uh, types of sectors or, or people. Um, um, you know, and databases, I still use today databases, you know, your Tesco cars get a database marketing tool and, and all the other things that you do. That was one of the things I thought was very strong. Um, brochures and flyers and leaflets were very sort of popular in those days. People wanted brochure, they wanted the colour leaflet, you know what I mean, where people used to read a lot of printed material. I think yeah. telephone marketing was a strong point because we used to talk to people on the phone a lot at Leicester City Football Club, you know. People are a bit wary of telephone marketing now because they think people are confidently canvassing or trying to sell them something. E-shops are a little bit more difficult because you've got to make sure that people tick the box and want want you to be, you know, let them send yourself through the email or post or whatever. Newsletters were always something that we did a lot of, sort of talking about stories and things we'd done and giving examples and showing the different people using the, the services and that. Invitations to seminars and events obviously was quite, you know, big in those days because people wanted to go along and meet people as per networking. Yeah. Networking still strong, although I sometimes find with networking today, 
and have done for the last 10 or 15 years that you, if you're not careful you meet the same 10 15 20 yeah. people every time you go and it becomes a little bit they're all trying to sell you something you don't want and you're trying to talk to them about something you've got and they don't really want that either so yeah. it's a yeah. bit that and the newspapers of course over the years unfortunately they're, they're so crazy dropped people aren't looking at newspapers more older people read newspapers younger people you know, do it more online now don't they read all the news online yeah, yeah. Or, or information online so that has changed over the years you know presentations you know personal presentations i i think they're important on a one-to-one basis but tailor make tailor it around the individual i can remember once a guy came to see me this is no word of a lie and he he, he was selling a photocopiers and um he came to the football club, he stood there and he did a presentation. And this is, if everybody out there, if you're doing presentations, don't do it this way. This is the way you don't do it. He stood there and told me how wonderful his company was, who he was, what the photocopy did. And me, he never me, said me. to me, he never said to me, um, you know, what you want and who are you and what, you know, he never said anything. So I said at the end of him, the presentation, I said to him, I said, what do you know about us as a business? He said, oh, you're a football club. I said, well, I know that. Well, what else do you know about it? Well, that's all I need to know. I said, well, there's more to the football club than what you think. And he said, uh, oh, is there? I said, yes, there is. Um, so I said, do you know, do we need a photocopy? Have you found out? He said, no, I thought I'd just come and sell you one. I said, well, okay. So this is how it went. This is a presentation. And so I said to, I said to him, I said, um, fine. I said, you know nothing about me, nothing about the business, you don't know nothing about what we want. You've come in and talked about everything to do with yourself. And as far as I'm concerned, you can pack your bag and go home because I'm not interested. And that's what I said to him. Another Barry Pierpoint fan out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said to him, I said, can I have some feedback? And I said, the feedback is when you go in to do a presentation, you talk about the company and the person and you talk about all their things you know about them. And then you get them engaged, you get them, you know, interacting with you. You talk about them, you talk about their business and their successes. And when they've got the person talking and joining in, then you talk about yourself and what you're there for. That's the way to do it. But you're right, Barry, because I've been in marketing since the late 90s. And actually, um, it has changed a lot. But what's changed are the methods to get to your customer. And the essence of marketing is put yourself in your customer's shoes and think, what would I like? How would I like to be spoken to? What would make the difference to me? What will I understand? What's going on in my life? And all of that hasn't changed. Whereas people are focusing so much on the methods. I've got to do social media. I've got to do email. I've got to put an unsubscribe option in the tech and all of that, that they forget that that's the essence is just think like your customer. I've hired and fired people left, right and centre. And one thing that I'm always surprised is that the people don't market themselves as a commodity, as a brand themselves. They just don't know how yeah. to do it. And, you know, they need help with presentation skills. They need to know how to put themselves across, how to get great, you know, get gain the attention of the person that's interviewing them and what to say the well, right basics, things. Basically, even, you know, like when you go in and, you, like you say, the receptionist is there and you, you go, you like, you sell yourself to the receptionist before you even see anyone else because you're like, oh, hi. And you and talk to get them. the lowdown from yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, you have a little chat with them and whatever. And I know when I've been to, like, you know, like, um, to uh, recruit, you know, pick up jobs in recruitment and whatnot. I've gone in and I've chatted to the reception. And I know when I've left, the receptionist said to whoever's met me that day, oh, she was lovely, wasn't she? And I think, well, 
obviously I was lovely but you know <laughs> like <laughs> it's just that effort and I imagine other people would go in there and just like just sit down just wait look at their phone you know not engage or look around exactly. and things and it's, it's yeah. like you say it's, it's from the moment people interact with you it's, and how you make them feel how you leave them and things and it's it seems so basic and normal and natural to like us and it's harder today today so people have got to be extra good at selling themselves extra mm. good at marketing their personality mm. marketing their skills and successes and achievements, mm. uh, extra good at marketing the, the whole of their CV and what they can offer. And you know, that's, I mean, I do a lot of that coaching with, with the graduates mm. and A, they can't present themselves very well and B, they don't know how to mm. sell themselves very well and, and yeah. C, they don't know. And I'm always saying to my kids, it's more important that you have that like um, confidence, attitude, yes. you know, like that about that way. And um, like, and they both, to be fair, they've both got that already kind of thing. Like Serena, my daughter would get a job anywhere if she went in. She just would. She'd just talk until they gave her the job. You know, like there's no way that she, she wouldn't have any problem. But yeah, you're right. The grads are the work. Like they've got all these, they're really clever, but they've not learned the the person, you know, not that you can learn personality, but they've not learned how to communicate properly with people. If you can walk into a room of strangers mm. and chat to anyone, yeah. The old can do anything and go anywhere, can't you? That's the yeah. best skill you can. Well, that's that's yeah. that's one of the techniques you need to, to network a room. You've got to be able to walk up to people and be able to to talk to them and, and link mm. and connect with them in, instantly. Not stand in the corner talking to the same three yeah. people you live you work with. You know, so that's not networking, yes. is it? So, yeah, I, I agree. So we always ask two questions on this um, podcast. Forgot what it was. We're on then. Um, the first one is <laughs> where the Get Savvy Club. What makes you savvy? And you can take that question however you want. I think I think over the years, I've always tried to keep up to date with marketing activities and techniques. I've always looked at you know, ways of growing business and developing businesses. I've kept my mind open. I've been in front of competition and I've made sure that whatever businesses I'm in, I'm above the competition. I keep in front of the competition. I keep my eyes and eyes to the ground. I look what's going off. I, I find out things, I research. I think it's a case of constantly evolving and never stopping and standing still. That yeah. makes me savvy. And I've been very savvy in quite a lot of businesses I've run because I don't stand still and I don't just let things grow under my feet. I constantly keep evolving constantly keep reviewing like everything in, in in business i review my supplies i review all the things that i do all the ways and all the things that how we operate it's the same with marketing you've got to be constantly evolving and looking for new opportunities new ideas new outlets and and, and you know new ways of doing things never ever stand still and the second question is we ask you to recommend a book and we had a bit of a conversation about this before you came on the we podcast did. didn't you a while ago and you were like well, i don't read books Anna." i was like well you need to really <laughs> think about think of one don't you you've written one i want to come talk about that but you know, <laughs> got one that you've read well, so but you actually I've, I've did got, remember didn't you and you have got one so what book do you yeah. recommend i've got one here called my big idea and it goes back to 2006. I don't know if it's still out there. It's on one for the Sunday Times. And it's about 30 entrepreneurs talking about the ideas that they used and had to put into their business and make their business develop and grow. And I, and I remember that going, it's a long time ago, 14 years, I know. But I read mm. that book. Um, it's by Rachel Bridge author of the best-selling How I Made It. It's all different entrepreneurs, 30 successful entrepreneurs 
talking about inspiration, ideas, and so on. And I remember reading all that and, and, and getting some thoughts and ideas for my agency when I was in the agency business then. And, you know, looking at what other people were doing. And you can learn from other people, but then you can also adapt from other people what they're mm. saying. You can think, well, actually, they said that, but I think I could do it that way, and, and so on. So that's one book. And the other book I've been reading, which is called Minding My Own Football Business, is, is also about, you know, 10 years of innovation and business development and uh, excitement and fun of running a company and a business and all the marketing techniques and branding and all the things that we did. So that's another book. Highly recommend it. But only Leicester City fan. <laughs> Go on, get that one. <laughs> but listen, it's a book for business. It's a book for sport. And it's also a book for people who weren't born because it talks about the, the history of the club before they were yeah. even around. So. There's different approaches on that book, and it's got 40 people telling different stories and interesting facts and, and, and things that were happening there. We'll put the link on this anyway um, on the podcast. So, people, the link that whatever link you give me for people to buy it, I'll put that on there so people can go and grab that off of the show notes and to buy the, to buy the book if they want. They can contact you through LinkedIn as well, can't they? If people want to connect with you, is that the, the best way of connecting with you? LinkedIn, Facebook. I can give you my email address if you want to put that on somewhere. And if people want me to sign a book, I can arrange to have it. You can email me and say, look, Barry, I bought a book. Uh, it's on the order line thing, but you can send me an email. Look, Barry, I bought a book. Can you put this message in and uh, can you sign it for me? And I'll gladly do that because, you know, it's a one-off. It's never going to happen again. And, and you know, there's, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be here and, you know, um, and it's going to be here forever. So it's a one-off situation. Um, and even people look. I, that don't know me have bought the book and said, look, I'm not a football fan. I don't know anything about football. I like the sound of it. It sounds interesting. I've bought it. Can you sign it? And I say, of course I can. And I have done. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Awesome. Another great interview. Interesting guy. And what I love um, about Barry is that it just shows that the fundamentals of marketing don't change. And actually, a lot of it comes down to common sense and what impression do you want to leave? You know, how do you want to make somebody think, actually, I want to go back there um, and I want to spend my money with that company? And, and those fundamentals don't change, do they? Um, but yeah, really humble guy, because I'm betting as well that um, it wasn't quite as easy to turn it around and make millions as he says it was just sorting out, you know, stopping the receptionist chewing gum on reception and things like that. So And matching his tie with a up with his socks yeah if it was that easy i'd be doing it as well though you have done it today haven't you your jumper and socks match. yeah i've got a christmas jumper on today as we record this but yeah so um yeah great interview really interesting and actually you know i don't i'll be honest i think football is the most boring thing in the world um and i'll never be converted but still an interesting guy with an interesting history um yeah really good so anyway if you will uh want to win a copy of the book that he talked about um then simply just uh take a screenshot rate and review this podcast take a screenshot tag us on any social media platform um and if we pull you out of the hat we will send you a copy of the book um and don't forget to listen to whatever the quickie will be on thursday um at this moment i can't tell you what it's going to be but i'm sure it'll be awesome anyway have a lovely week bye bye that was marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club if you enjoyed it join our facebook group just search get savvy club